For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 198 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, joined by my excellent co-host as always Adnan Igich he is at say which way Adnan how are you doing this evening uh doing well we are we're knocking at the door now yeah uh, this, this is a late July tradition right here um training camp is absolutely on the horizon and you know just because it's not the season doesn't mean that the busy season doesn't start here so we'll have practices to talk about we'll have you know, stuff to overreact about uh, in Atlanta and around the NFL. And, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, yeah, big time. We got, uh, well, we did get some news, unfortunate news, I guess, dropped on us uh, this week with Eddie Goldman announcing his retirement. So we'll we'll open up with that discussion. Uh, but we'll also be bringing you our quintessential training camp preview, giving you guys a look at sort of the things that I that we are going to be watching for early on, the things that you should be watching for, the couple of battles that we're sort of most interested in, that sort of thing. So we appreciate everyone for tuning in with us for the last, the last, I guess, slow, slow show uh, before the floodgates open in terms of news. But the big thing we'll, we'll kick off with here is the Eddie Goldman news uh goldman signed with the falcons last week and a week later he has retired you know i i uh don't blame him you know i looked at the forecast for next week's practices and i'm you know questioning whether or not i should even be there but i can only imagine for like a 340 pound nose tackle the sort of uh you know calculus that goes into that but uh goldman did decide to retire adnan uh obviously it's a blow i mean who knows how much of a blow considering that he was only just now brought in so seems like he probably wasn't like a key part of their offseason plan or anything like that but what's sort of your your takeaways from from goldman announcing that he will not be playing football this year uh it was a shock for sure when it when it was when that news was just dropped yesterday um because eddie goldman isn't exactly a, an old guy you know he's what 27 years old at this point this is this would be his age 28 season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's someone that had legitimate opportunity to win that starting nose tackle job for the Atlanta Falcons, which will now probably go to a friend of the show, Anthony Rush. Yes. Who came on last week. Check out that show if uh, 
you know, if you're so inclined and you missed it, it was a, it was a nice interview with, with oh, the yeah. but you know, I get it. You know, football, football is a grind and NFL season isn't an easy thing for anybody. And, you know, I guess Eddie Goldman looked at it like, you know, you don't want, he didn't want to go through, you know, what would have been his uh, eighth season, eighth NFL season. Uh, you know, it's it's very difficult. And Goldman's someone that has career earnings. I'm looking at Spotrack right now. He's he's earned about $30 million in his career. He played through his uh, rookie contract. He played through his second career contract. He was, you know, released by the Bears. Um that uh, that second contract was guaranteed him twenty five million dollars. So you yeah, know, he decided that he would rather not play football anymore. Maybe wanted to spend some time with his family. He has he has generational wealth at this point. You know, thirty million dollars. Even if you take away, you know, taxes and agent fees and everything, that still leaves him with. Uh, and you know I'm not an accountant here. Uh, I don't have exact figures. That still probably leaves him with like ten million dollars in at least, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's some, you know, I don't think I'd be able to spend ten million dollars in a lifetime for <laughs> being completely honest. Um, so I definitely respect the decision. Um, and you know, it, it's a decision that that is he's not the first one to make it, um, right. Uh, Kay Green in the chat mentioned it. Andrew Luck a few years ago in 2019 shockingly retired, and he left even more money on the table. Yeah, uh, yeah. he was a franchise player. He was a franchise quarterback. So you know, best of luck to Eddie uh, with with his life after football. Uh, it was it was a very good career. Uh, he'll be fondly remembered by Chicago Bears fans. I'm, I'm sure he he won't have to pay for a drink in uh, <laughs> the city of Chicago in most places. Um, so yeah, uh, tip of the cap, to, tip of the cap to him for a very, very good, very strong NFL career. Not, not a lot of people make it seven full seasons in the NFL. Yeah. Not a lot of people earn thirty million dollars, um, but you know he just won't continue with the Atlanta Falcons, and you know that's okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's respectful of him, I think, to do it before training camp Absolutely. kicked off. Absolutely, um, and I, I think that's really quite respectful of him to do my and like this is a guy I think that may have been contemplating retirement all off season. he you know this is a player that he had a down year last year after taking 2020 off of COVID and you know maybe got a taste of not playing football and like you know maybe this isn't so bad you know <laughs> maybe retirement's not the worst thing in the world but you know he didn't sign anywhere this offseason until the Falcons signed him like a week ago so it's possible that Goldman was already contemplating retirement this year and maybe Ryan Pace and Terry Fontenot and the Falcons sort of coaxed him out of it. It's sort of like, hey, you know, why don't you give it a try? Come to camp, you know, see see what you see if you want to play for us, um, you know, and, and we'll give you this money or whatever. And it seems like they got into agreed to sign, but it seems like after the signing, he maybe thought thought about it and was like, you know, this isn't maybe what I want to do, and and that's fine. Um, Again, clearly this wasn't a key pillar of their offseason considering this was like a July signing. I think it would have been nice to see him in Atlanta. I think he would have been able to provide uh, some some 
hopefully terrific play for the Falcons, but he made the decision to to step away early on his terms, and I respect it. Um, and you know, just like Falcons great Lance Moore, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's left on his terms. But um, I think it was it was good of him to not drag it out into training camp or anything like that. And, and it's an underrated thing to you know to retire on your own terms at a relatively young age, where you know you you won't really hopefully we won't have any serious long-term effects from the sport. You know, we know how brutal this sport can be to these athletes after they retire. You know, playing a game of football is essentially the equivalent of, you know, getting into a car crash every single week, the way you're ramming into each other over and over again. And especially in the trenches at that nose tackle position, you know, you're literally just hitting someone every single snap out there. You, you can't really take a snap off. Um, so, you know, I definitely understand, you know, the decision entirely why he would step away from the sport on his own terms at a young age. And, you know, after he's set his family up with, with generational wealth. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Um, and you know, I, I think it's, uh, obviously good for him, you know, making the decision, uh, and doing what, is best for him. Um, and, and it doesn't really hurt the Falcons more than it, like, obviously it was nice, but sort of easy come, easy go at this point in the off season. It's like, you know, we didn't even see you practice. Um, like it would, it was cool to think about and pour one out for Aaron Freeman, by the way, who I think was like the most excited person in all of Falcons fandom to finally get Eddie Goldman here. Eric can't have anything nice. That's, that's yeah, a- yeah, exactly. That's a, I mean, it's, it's deserved certainly, but yeah, it, so, you know, best of luck, obviously, to Goldman in his future endeavors. Uh, unfortunately, don't don't get to see him here. But that does bring us to another good uh, topic, which is clearly the Falcons were looking to add to their defensive line. And it could be on the interior like Goldman. It could also be potentially at edge. We've been talking about guys like Trey Flowers. Um, there are still some some names out there that are worth considering. Um I know guys like Danny Shelton is still out there. Uh, if they're looking for another nose tackle kind of guy, uh, Linval Joseph, Brandon Williams is a name that's been picking up some steam um, because of his history with Dean Pease. There's also more sort of three down guys like Derek Wolf, Malik Jackson, Sheldon Richardson, more like pass rusher types. So there are certainly some options out there. Anyone that strikes your fancy odd on any one of that group that you'd be trying to, to gun for? Um, I, in fairness, I think that they'll let training camp play out a little bit first before really assessing the situation. Um, but you know, out of those guys, I'd say Linval Joseph is the big name out there. Um, you know, someone who has also an extensive career, who's a very, very you know, he was a, a very great player, a former pro bowler back in Minnesota. Uh, he was okay last year for the Chargers, really kind of fell off a little bit, which probably explains why he's still a free agent. Um, but, you know, that would probably be a name that I'm, that I'm really looking at more so uh, along the defensive line. But I wouldn't really expect any reactionary signings immediately. Uh, I don't think that it's really necessary. I think a lot of those guys will probably still be there and be available after training camp, unless you know there's another injury. There's an injury somewhere else, you know, around the NFL, and someone decides to scoop some of them up. But 
Um, you know, definitely out of those names, I'd probably say Linval Joseph, who was, you know, a former pro bowler. I don't know if he made an all pro team with Minnesota. Um, but, you know, that that's definitely a solid name to look at. A, a very hardy veteran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like Joseph has definitely had a long and storied career, was once one of the top nose tackles in the NFL. He'll be going into his, I think, age 34 season this year. So would be more of like a one-year rental type of signing. But if they're looking for that sort of presence to solidify the interior, it would make sense. Um, you know, with Anthony Rush here, you know, yeah, yeah. It's To me, it's like I don't know if, if the Goldman signing was an indictment of Rush. I sort of don't think it was. So I'm sort of like wondering if they're really going to go. Like the thing about Eddie Goldman was, yes, that he's a nose tackle. He's going to help your run defense, but he's also capable of pass rushing. So they were sort of maybe going to get a little bit more pass rushing juice from uh, a guy like Eddie Goldman, as opposed to sort of a Limbaugh Joseph, who's probably a pure run stuffer at this point in his career. It's similar to like an Anthony Rush. Um, so I wonder if they will go for more of a pass rushing presence or if they'll just sort of, like you said earlier, sort of wait and see. Um, but Brandon Williams obviously makes sense because of his connection with the team. Um, I like Danny Shelton. He's only 28. So if they're looking for another younger guy, I think he's the same age as, uh, Eddie Goldman actually. Um, and Shelton didn't have a great year last year with the giants, but he has had some good years in the past. Um, and again, you know, another big body in the middle of the defense. So we'll see, you know, former first round pick, um, did have a great year with new England in 2019. Um, so we'll see, we'll see if anything comes of that or not. But uh, that would be sort of where I'd be looking if they're looking to add more to the defensive line. Um, but, uh, oh, Ray Moon here with the $20 tip. Thank you so much, Ray Moon. Uh, appreciate that, brother. Appreciate helping us get to training camp here. Like, uh, I'll, I'll plug it and then I'll read Ray's comment. <laughs> I guess it's a funny one. Uh, but, yeah, guys, if you're looking to help us get to training camp, uh, the tips and donations this month are going to our training camp fund, which you can see down there at the bottom. Um so yeah, it, be sure to ask a question or leave a comment with your donation. Like we will read the read and answer those live on the show. We really appreciate that. Uh, like and subscribe, all that good YouTube stuff. Check out the Patreon as well, Patreon.com/slash/FalcoholicLive. If you're interested in taking part in that, really appreciate all that support, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Ray Moon with the twenty dollars. Thank you so much, Ray. He says I feel like a stalker lately because I've been watching but not commenting. But how about that retirement? WTF. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are, like, taking the opportunity to dunk on the Falcons, but I think my read of the situation, which is more favorable to the Falcons, obviously, is that I think that Goldman was probably contemplating retirement before the Falcons signed him, and the Falcons sort of convinced him to to give it a shot, and Goldman agreed to do it, and then was like, you know... Now that I looked at the forecast, you know, or just just had some time to sit on it a little bit and think about it seriously, he was like, you know, actually, I, I would just, I think I would just rather like to stay, stay out of it. Um, so it's it's sort of an easy come easy go thing. I'm not gonna, I don't think it's there's, neat, but it's it's just it's it's random. It's kind of silly, but yeah, there's a lot of reasons to dunk on the Falcons. Like the Falcons make it so easy on themselves. <laughs> yeah. I've been for the past few years. I don't think this is one of them. You know, I think like. Um, like Kevin said, this is just a case of a guy who was probably contemplating retirement either way. You know, he he signed with the Falcons. His heart probably wasn't really in it. And then after after sitting on it, you know, with training camp looming, 
Uh, he, he decided he he didn't want to play football anymore, which is, you know, completely fine. But, you know, that's not a Falcons thing. I think he would have retired from any team at this point. Maybe yeah. maybe not a super, like, contending <laughs> right. team. Like you know, if he was if he was with the Chiefs or something, you know, maybe he would have stuck it out for that final ring chase. But you know, given given that I I don't think that this was I, I don't think his mentality was to continue playing football long term, no matter where he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think it was you know maybe like like oh, not like maybe if the Chiefs or the Bills had come calling, it's like okay, maybe I'll stick it out for a Super Bowl ring. I think I think everyone knows that they're. Probably not competing for a Super Bowl ring here in Atlanta this year, long term perhaps. Uh, but next year either, you know. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. You know, yeah, never it. say never. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, poo poo. Ne- you know, next season yet. You know, we'll wait. We'll wait till after next draft we'll wait, to start yeah. poo pooing next season. But it's going to be a fun free agency period too. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we're going to be way too optimistic next year. That's my prediction. Like this year, we're probably maybe we're too negative this off season, but next off season we're going to be all in. You know, the other direction. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, it's it's tough. Uh, but I think he made the right call. Like if he was on the fence about playing, better to do it now, not take snaps away from these young guys in training camp, and uh, you know, sort of right off into the sunset before he even got here. He was. It's sort of like that Simpsons meme uh, where he like you know. The, the grandpa comes in, takes off his hat, and immediately turns around, grabs the hat, and walks out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, so, bon voyage, Eddie Goldman. It was fun while it lasted. Um, and we will we wish you the best of luck. But, uh, yeah, it's... Now that brings us to training camp itself. Uh, I, hopefully, this is the, the, you know, biggest surprise we'll have of all training camp. But uh, at this point, the Falcons rolling into camp with... According to some projections, the worst roster in the NFL, which I think is unfair. I, I don't think they're the worst roster in the NFL. Um, I mean, there are uh, the, the Texans do exist. Okay, like the, the, you know, I feel like it's really disrespectful to put the Falcons below the Texans, but um, it's going to be an uphill climb for them this year. We all know that, but this is, I think, a, a roster that has some spots that are encouraging, some spots that are very scary uh in a bad way <laughs> and some that are that i think are solid so <laughs> offensive line mostly uh is the scary part but left guard center right top yeah yeah uh but i think the the where we kick it off with our training camp discussion has to be a quarterback because that's going to be the battle that everyone's watching and it's really marcus Mar- uh, marcus mariota's job to lose uh, and I got to make sure to say it is it is officially Mariota, like like Mario and Luigi, folks. I was uh, I was corrected. I, I usually say Mariota. It is Mariota. Uh, so I'm gonna do my best to to continue saying it the correct way. Um, but I do think it is Marcus Mariota's job to lose. Um, he's been very sharp in OTAs and minicamp, all that stuff. And even if Ritter played really well. I think if it was a tie, it would probably still go to to Mariota because it's a lot to put on a rookie, a third round rookie especially, to go out there week one and, and start in the NFL when they, the Falcons really they don't need to rush him out there. Um, it's certainly possible that Ritter starts week one. I, I certainly won't say that it's not something that he could do, but I think outside of injury um, or anything you know unforeseen sort of happening, you know, knock on wood for that. Um, I think it's Marcus Mariota's job to lose, but what's your sort of read on the quarterback situation right now? Would you agree with that, uh, Nan? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think that they spent $6 million. You know, I don't think they gave Mariota $6 million and sacrificed what became a fourth-round compensation pick uh, just for Mariota to be a backup quarterback behind Desmond Ritter. I like Desmond Ritter. We all like Desmond Ritter. Um, we hope that Ritter will get his opportunity this year. Um, but, you know, you go, you normally go with the veteran. Like this, I, I feel like we've been spoiled with Matt Ryan for more reasons than one. And one of those reasons was because in 2008, he came in guns blazing and he immediately, you know, took over that starting job in week one, beat out Chris Redmond for it. Um, and led the team to the playoffs, was a rookie of the year. And a lot of, you know, a lot of current and former players will tell you that Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco changed the game with the rookie quarterbacks. Like before Matt Ryan came along and did that, and, you know, Joe Flacco also led that great Ravens team to a playoff win in 2008, upsetting the top-seeded Titans. Um, before that, the rookie quarterback would come in and he would wait a year. He would wait two years. Doesn't matter what his draft pedigree was. Uh, and, you know, in those days, especially the rookie quarterbacks were making a lot more money than they are today. Yeah. Um, Ritter is making, what, $5 million over four years, $5.4 million over four years. So, it's a, you know, it's pretty much pocket change in comparison to other NFL players, other quarterbacks. So, you know, I definitely think that we will, you know, Arthur, Arthur Smith is probably much more inclined to go with the veteran quarterback who has played in his system, who knows his system. Remember, he coached Mariota a few years ago. Uh, and I think that Ritter, I'm on record, I think Ritter will get his chance. Week eight, week nine, I'm, I'm looking at that game after that Thursday night game against Carolina. It'll be essentially a mini bye. I think that's the perfect opportunity to put Ritter into that starting lineup, uh, but only if the Falcons are playing under 500. I yeah, think yeah. if the Falcons, you know, come out guns blazing and they're five and four or six and four or you know, in in position to make a legitimate wild card run, it's not fair to Mariota to pull him out if he is doing his part to win those games. Now, if Mariota is you know just playing like garbage and the team's fight <laughs> him. That's a different story, but but if he is leading this team to legitimate wins, then you let him stay, you let him play out the season, and then you know you see what happens. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I've been wrong before, um, but you know, I definitely think week one, uh, I would be abs- barring an injury, I would be absolutely shocked if Desmond Ritter was was a starting quarterback against the Saints in week one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the Saints play play into it as well there because, like, for as much as we dunk on the Saints, like, that oh, is maybe cool. the best defense in football. It's certainly up there with the best. So, like, that would be a brutal start for him. It's also going to be a very – it's going to be a highly emotional game in week one, too. Rivalry game against the Saints. Um, you know, home opener. It's probably going to be the only game of the season where the Falcons actually sell out the Mercedes-Benz <laughs> Stadium. Um, it's it's going to be – it's going to be a very, very difficult environment to throw a rookie quarterback in there. And I know, I get it. Ritter has played in some tough environments, you know, at Cincinnati. He he played in the college football playoff. He has some big game experience. But, 
you know, that, that pales in comparison to, you know, a Falcon Saints week one game. Like this rivalry is absolutely disgusting. And, yeah. you know, that environment is, you know, otherworldly when these two teams play, even if it is a home game. The only thing that would be worse would be if that game was in New Orleans. And then, you know, then it's really an unfriendly environment to, to whoever is lining up under center. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, thank you, Twisted Torch TV, for, for the shout-out, man. Appreciate that. Welcome to the chat. Everybody else, thank you, guys. Um, yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I, I think it it's just going to be a really tough hill for climb, to climb for, for Desmond Ritter. The, the pressure isn't there for the Falcons to start him immediately like it would be if it was a first-round quarterback or a top-ten quarterback or whatever. Um, and I... I I just have a hard time believing that Mariota or excuse me, Mariota is going to be that bad that he's going to like lose the battle. And I, I think Ritter hopefully will look good in the preseason, like very encouraging um, to where we were talking about like, Oh, could he possibly start? Like that would be great. I, I think he still probably is unlikely to start week one. I think we could definitely see him by week 10. That's sort of where I'm penciling it in that game against the bears uh, or like what Adnan said with the sort of mini buy, that could be a, a great time as well. That's right around that time too. So, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me, but there's always the chance that Mariota is playing really, really well. Um, and look, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I went back on the recommendation of some, some friends of mine that are uh, film junkies and they're like, Hey, you know, if you want to get excited about Mariota like go watch his last couple starts for the Raiders uh and like I did and like it was good like it was very good um his most recent start for the Raiders he came in after Carr got hurt I believe he scored like two or three touchdowns and led a game-winning drive and that was a crucial game for the Raiders too like if they'd lost that game they would have missed the playoffs so um I mean that most recent game that was in 2020 so it's not like it was last season but it's not like like Mariota was bad uh and I don't think he's ever really been a bad quarterback I think he's sort of also never lived up to that number two overall pick though and I think that's where a lot of the perception comes um and you know if you don't remember who the Titans coach was when they drafted Mariota uh I I don't blame you but that was not exactly a good Titans team either um and then when he finally got a chance to be with a competent uh, offensive coordinator and Arthur Smith, he got nerve damage in his in his throwing hand. Uh, so, you know, I I think if you want to really have a a positive spin for the Falcons and you're really high on them, you're probably saying, look, I think Marcus Mariota is a good quarterback that was in a bad situation and had some bad breaks and now is going to basically have a rebound season and, and that sort of thing. If, if you're hoping for the Falcons to be a good team this year, that's what you're banking on. And I, I don't think it's impossible. And, and I mean, I think ideally with, with the Ritter, ideally he makes this into somewhat of a conversation, this training camp and this preseason, because that would, you know, that would be pretty impressive uh, on his end. I don't think he's nearly as, you know, NFL ready he's not a better football player today than Marcus Mariota um you know Mariota's been in the league for for years you mentioned it he he looked really good for the Raiders uh in relief of Carr last year um but you know with the Ritter there's a reason why he was a third round pick after all like he he isn't this can't miss generational prospect the way that Andrew Luck was He's not exactly what Matt Ryan was in 2008, where the team invested 
you know, pretty much its future into Ryan with the third overall draft pick. And, you know, in fairness, I think Mariota right now is better than what Chris Redman was back in 2000. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no disrespect to Chris Redman. The great um, Chris Redman. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget the Bucks game in, in 2009 after Matt Ryan got turf toe. You know, that, that fourth and goal slam pass to Roddy White to beat that one and 11 Bucks team led by Josh Freeman. Legend. Yep. Absolutely. Shout, shout out to Chris Redman. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that, you know, what I'm trying to say is I don't think that Ritter has that draft pedigree either to where you're under pressure as a coaching staff and as a front office to, you know, throw him out there because, you know, the fan base and the owner, you, you know, they have everything invested into this guy, into this quarterback. And even if he was a first round pick, if he's not ready, he's he's not ready yet. Um, but especially if he's a third round pick, there's there's really low pressure to start him to play him, especially if Mariota ends up, you know, looking better than him in preseason, which I think he will because you know Mariota is an NFL veteran who has won some games before. He has, you know, he is a former number two overall draft pick. He's not exactly. You know, he hasn't loved up, lived up to that hype. But even if you're going off of just college tape and, you know, college numbers, Mariota was a Heisman Trophy winner. Like, he was he was the guy in college. You know, he was better than in college than what Ritter was in college, you know, even back then. And now you add these years of NFL experience. I don't think it'll be that close that close of a battle. I think we're just trying to talk or, talk ourselves into it because – we want to be more excited about Ritter and, you know, we are excited about Ritter and, you know, we want, we want the young guy to really showcase himself and to really prove to be that long-term answer at quarterback, because if Desmond Ritter is the long-term answer at quarterback, that's huge for the Falcons. Mm -hmm. Like that would be that that's a silver bullet for this front office. If they just pluck their franchise quarterback in the third round, but we can't rush that process. We can't know that yet. And if we try to throw him out there too early, it could be pretty damaging, especially behind this offensive line, which we'll get to because this offensive line is, you know, based on what we saw last year, it's a pretty bad offensive line. And I don't think you want to put Ritter behind these terrible pass blockers either right away. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that that's why Mariota is going to start. Um, and like, I don't want people to think that I'm just like, oh, yeah, Mario is actually going to be this great quarterback and all this. But I, I think he gets a bad rap, and he's on the Falcons now, so I'm going to cape for him, uh, you know, because he's a Falcon and I have to defend his honor now. But I I feel like people get this impression that he's just like a bad quarterback, and really he's just been sort of mediocre, I guess I would say, as a starter, which that's still impressive. Like, there's only a handful of guys that can start a quarterback in the NFL in the entire world. So, like, let's, you know, give, put some respect on the man. Uh, but for for as as negative the perception is of Marcus Mariota, his career record as a starter is twenty nine and thirty two. So this is a guy that's almost five hundred. So it's not even like he's this lopsided losing quarterback. Like I mean, Jameis Winston has a way a way 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 worse record as a starter than Mariota. But every, no one's complaining about Jameis Winston in New Orleans. Um, Sixty two point eight completion percentage. 
Uh, seven and a half yards per attempt over his career and 77 touchdowns to 45 interceptions, which is like 1.7 touchdown to interception ratio, which is not amazing, but it's not bad either. So this is like, those are respectable, you know, fairly average stats for a starting quarterback as a rusher. He hasn't been as like deadly as he was in college, but he's been as a serviceable rusher as well. He averages, he's averaged six yards per carry as a scrambler over his career uh, 21 yards per game on the ground, which is not like Lamar Jackson, Mike Vick numbers or anything like that, but that's respectable. He does have more rushing yards, uh, over like five years as a starter than, uh, Matt Ryan has had in his entire career. So that is, you know, something that he's better than Matt Ryan at is he is a better, uh, runner of the football. Uh, so that's not necessarily surprising, but just in case you wanted to know. So, if you are really high on the Falcons this year, and I know there are lots of you fans out there, and I'm not trying to stomp on your parade. This is this is your your bone that I'm throwing you. If if you want to say, like, I think Marcus Mariota is actually a good quarterback, and he's actually going to have a chance in Atlanta to do something, that's what you have to hang your hat on on offense, is that actually Marcus Mariota is going to be able to basically replicate what Matt Ryan did last year and maybe maybe provide a little bit more on the ground. And, you know, that's what you're hoping for. Um, Now, in order for that to happen, there's a lot of stuff that's going to have to go right. Um, There's a lot of stuff that's going to have to go right. Uh, And mostly that's the offensive line, which uh, Don mentioned at the top of the show. And the other big battle we're going to be watching that hasn't really... You know, we well, left guard, there actually really isn't much of a battle because the Falcons haven't really brought in any competition for Jalen Mayfield. Center, though, is where we're sort of going to see the fireworks between Matt Hennessy and Drew Dahlman. Um, and then maybe right tackle, we'll see an actual competition between Caleb McGarry and Jermaine Effetti. I, I haven't seen more than a competition. I'll, I'll <laughs> I mean, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go go ahead yeah. on, on those battles. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, let's start with, with center. I uh, Falcons didn't really address the center position, which I mean, I, I get it. The last couple of years, they, um, they spent draft picks. They spent two day, two draft picks on centers. Um, Hennessy has been a disappointment so far. Drew Dahlman, we didn't really see much of, but you know, he had that RAS score of 99, which we were all very excited about. Both guys are, are, are a bit, you know, on the lighter side. Uh, neither guy has, really has too much strength. That's that's really given them, them issues, uh, Matt Hennessy especially. Um, I had my uh, – I went, I went a bit more in-depth with both of these battles in our uh, Falcons training camp battle series. The, uh, the center battle was published today, and, you know, I'm working on finalizing the right tackle battle. But basically, Matt Hennessy last year was a very, very impressive run blocker. Mm-hmm. He was – the third best run blocker in the NFL among every center that, you know, played a meaningful amount of snaps uh, behind only Creed Humphrey and Jason Kelsey, who are the cream of the crop, you know, at at center at that position. Uh, The Falcons could have possibly had this position addressed for the next 10 years had they just taken Creed Humphrey in the second round last year. But, you know, that's that's that missed opportunity. That's neither here nor, de- nor there. And I hope that Richie Grant has a really good season at safety to make that sting a bit less because Humphrey last year was, you know, on another planet as a rookie. Um, yeah. But the issue with Hennessy, and, and, t- and that run blocking, even 
boosted up his PFF grade to a 77.1 overall, which is, you know, that's that's a very impressive PFF grade. You know, most NFL teams will definitely take that from their center. But the issue is he had a 50.5 pass blocking grade, which made him 34th out of 41 eligible centers who played meaningful snaps. So he was overall the seventh worst center in the NFL. And out of 32 starting centers, you know, each team has one starting center. Matt Hennessy was 34th overall. So he, he wasn't even at replacement level when it comes to pass blocking, which is a huge issue because he yes. gave up the most quarterback hurries uh, out of any center in the NFL. And out of 988 snaps, um, he he had 632 in pass blocking versus you know, a little over 350 in run blocking. So pass blocking in today's NFL especially is much, much more important than uh, than run blocking. Yeah. So if Matt Hennessy comes out there and, you know, he exhibits the same struggles in pass protection that he did last year, then the team has to, has to look elsewhere. Uh, you know, whether that's free agency, whether that's Drew Dahlman, it'll be Drew Dahlman at first. Because Hennessy's going to probably get pulled, you know, pulled. Uh, but you can't, you cannot have that poor of a pass blocker. You don't want that poor of a pass blocker anywhere along your offensive line. And we have that in three different positions. We'll get yeah. to that soon. Um, Drew Dahlman played less than a hundred snaps, but you know, it was the same. It was the same uh, story with him, except even more exaggerated. His PFF yeah. run blocking grade was a ninety-two point three. Uh, which was the second? It was the second best in the NFL among <laughs> yeah. center that that played any amount of snaps. So you know, Dalman didn't really register the minimum amount of snaps. Right. But out of centers who who started uh, who played any snap, he was second behind only Creed, Creed Humphrey in run blocking grade. Again, Falcons really really messed up that draft pick last year. Yes, I was Team Humphrey. I want everyone to remember I pounded the table for Creed Humphrey on like five different shows so you know yeah, i'm absolved and, it's not my fault yeah and, and he had a 100 ras score so I, yeah I, I don't know like i just don't know <laughs> but when it comes to pass blocking so remember how uh hennessy's pass blocking grade of a 50 a little over 50 was really really bad drew dahlman in his his 68 total snaps had a 40.9 pass blocking grade which was 60th out of you know 64 total centers uh which is you know, well, well below replacement level. So that's one of the reasons why Hennessy started all 17 games. For as as much as Matt Hennessy struggled in pass blocking, the coaching staff did give Drew Dahlman his opportunities and his chances, but he was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. You know, at the same in the same issue that Hennessy had, he was an even worse pass blocker. And I get it, sample size is really, really small. But he was really, really bad in that small sample size to the point where, you know, it's it's it was really difficult to pull Matt Hennessy for Drew Dahlman, especially because his team was technically technically in the playoff picture, yeah. you know, all of last season up until the very end. Um, now, the one thing I'm looking at uh, in the preseason in training camp is their ability to to protect the passer, because I know that they're both really good run blockers but being a really really good run blocker means nothing you know in today's NFL if you can't pass block Ben Garland for the Atlanta Falcons in his last season 
was, I think, the third highest graded run blocking center in the NFL. And he was cut by the Falcons after that season because he was such a poor pass protector. Uh, in today's NFL, you're you're blocking you're pass blocking twice as much as you are running blocking um especially for a team like the falcons which will you know i know that they want to run the ball a lot more a lot more effectively a lot better but i feel like this team you know the defense still isn't quite you know league average so i think they'll be passing the ball a lot to try and get back into some games but you know with both of these guys one of them has to separate himself as as a pass blocker that's that's the easiest way to win the starting job and if both of them exhibit the same struggles that they showed last season then this team will have to look elsewhere in free agency and the draft you know at their next center of the future and that's something that they really really don't want to do because there's plenty of holes around this roster that they need to fill and you know them having spent day two picks on centers, or it was a day three pick, an early day three pick, excuse me, on Drew Dahlman. He was taking mm-hmm. in the fourth yeah, round, fourth round. Mm-hmm. last year. My mistake. Hennessy <laughs> was a late day two pick. But them having spent a third round pick and a fourth round pick uh, on these guys the last couple of years, you know, that just goes up in smoke. And, you know, those are completely wasted resources. And this is a Falcons team that, you know, specialized in wasting resources after that 2016 NFL draft. Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn made a sport out of wasting draft resources and, you know, free agency dollars over the past few years. So this team still having is still having to pull themselves out of that hole, plus having to plug up all of the other holes on this roster, you know, add center. And that's just that's just another headache that this team does not want to go through, but they will have to go through, you know, that headache of filling in that roster spot. If these guys show what they did last show, what they showed last season, because you just can't, you can't trust them long-term. Now, if Hennessy comes back and is a league average pass blocker, in addition to what he did as a run blocker last year, he could be the starting center for the next 10 years. And that's why I'm so high on Matt Hennessy because all he needs to do is fix that one part of his game, you know, just improve. You, he doesn't even have to be elite at it. Just get, get up to league average and you really have something there. Yeah, I agree. Like it, it, I think of the battles that we're, we're talking about, like left guard. I mean, it's not exactly a battle at this point because it's basically just Jalen Mayfield, but the center battle and then right tackle. I feel pretty good about center that, Neither one of these guys was terrific last year, but I think between the two of them, there's there's enough there that like one of them will be an average center. That so I'm sort of feeling pretty solid about one of those two being like a a solid starter for this team. Left guard, you know, I think is much more nerve wracking, and then right tackle, it's sort of a like. Do you believe in Jermaine Effetti or are you on McGarry Island with, you know, Aaron Freeman? Um, it's, a, uh, it's a very low population on that island. <laughs> it's, it's dwindling by the day. Uh, I don't know if climate change has something to do with that or not, too. But uh, <laughs> McGarry Island is shrinking rapidly. Um, but it's I think I think between Hennessy and Dahlman, we're going to have at least a solid starter at center. So I, I'm, I'm willing to be I'm willing to believe in that competition i i where i get a little bit nervous is that we're having 
no competition at left guard that we know of. Maybe mm-hmm. Elijah Wilkinson factors in more there than we expect. Or like an undrafted guy like a Ryan Newsel, who was the Falcons' best offensive lineman in the preseason last year. So don't forget, you know, Ryan Newsel could be the dark horse. But um, here's here's just how low of a competition that is. <laughs> We're going through, uh, you know, position by position. And it's mostly Dave Choate uh, doing this. And, you know, I... I came back from vacation and, and, you know, put my name down for some of these offensive line battles. We, we're we not even writing about the left guard battle. just Because, <laughs> because there's no battle right now. There yeah. is no battle. It's going to be Jalen Mayfield, for better or for worse. And Jalen Mayfield last year led the league in sacks allowed among all offensive linemen. And he was a guard. You yeah. know, normally it's your tackle that's giving up sacks. Um, so... Yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's a very scary proposition. You know, Jalen Mayfield almost got um almost got Matt Ryan killed last season. I and I think that's one of the thing one of the reasons why you don't want to start Desmond Ritter behind this offensive line of questionable characters. Um but you know, unless Mayfield made major, major strides, like even if Mayfield comes in having improved from last season, that may not be enough because he was just such a dumpster fire last season. You know, he needs to have vastly improved to be worth it. Like, if he can get up to just below league average at left guard, I'll take that. That would be a massive improvement. That's 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 the thing. Like, he could he could improve twenty points in PFF grade and just still be like an average starter. That would be <laughs> so, a quantum leap. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's a quantum. Like, he last year he was the worst offensive lineman in football. Yeah, and like we've talked about it. Like, he got shafted. He got thrown into a terrible situation. He did not he did. even really get a training camp to play left guard. Like, it's not necessarily like they were trying to to roast Mayfield here. Like, he was done no favors by the staff, by the team in any way. So, like, obviously we're really uh, hoping for the best for Mayfield. But it's it's kind of insane that they haven't brought in competition at all. Yeah, um, it, so. And just the entire mismanagement of the left guard position has been so completely irresponsible by by the Falcons overall last yeah. couple of years. Like that—that's maybe my biggest gripe with this front office so far. I can't really, you know, complain too much because they, re- you know, so far they've all they've been able to do is kind of untangle the the large number of knots that Dimitrov left them, and you know, tr- and they're still trying to climb up out of that hole, uh, out of that financial hole. We'll be able to assess them more properly, you know, at this time next year, going into training camp of twenty twenty three. Uh, because we'll see what they can do with actual money, you know, in free agency. But, you know, just left guard in general, James Carpenter in his last year in Atlanta was a solid left guard. And, you know, I get it. You know, they they parted ways with him uh, for financial reasons. But you bring in Jalen Mayfield. uh, You draft Jalen Mayfield. Okay. Um, There was no competition last year, really. For left guard. I mean, maybe, maybe they thought Matt Gono could possibly. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna, I, I'm not in their head. I, I yeah. don't know exactly. Um, but the fact that they didn't even give Mayfield any snaps really at left guard throughout training camp is just just see, screams irresponsibility to me. That was just completely irresponsible. I get it. Caleb McGarry had, I think he had a bout with COVID. Yeah. So, you know, he, he couldn't be there for most of training camp. Matt Gono got hurt. But if you knew that the plan was to start Jalen Mayfield at left guard, there's no reason to, 
you know, give him exclusive snaps at right yeah, tackle. That was just dumb. I just why just sign somebody off the street. Just play a UDFA. Don't move the guy you're depending on to be left guard back to tackle for a couple games to get through the pre like it's not worth it just just sign somebody off the street like <laughs> and, and mayfield didn't really though those were incredibly valuable reps for yeah. mayfield to get because he didn't really play left guard in college no he was a right tackle in college and then you know first game out there you throw him out there against fletcher cox <laughs> you know in week one at left guard second game you throw him out there against vita vea and the bucks you know, third game, you you throw them out there against the the New York Giants, you know, and their very talented defensive line. Um, and in fairness, he, he did look pretty good against the Giants. But, you know, it was as you'd expect. You, you just threw him to the Wolves. You know, you made him run this gauntlet with no preparation at all. You know, you gave him a squirt gun and you told him to get through hell with it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was very unfair. But the issue is he didn't really he didn't really improve as much as you would have liked throughout the season with those consistent snaps. Yeah. And now if he doesn't come come into this season, you know, vastly improved from what we saw last season, then you know, who are you gonna play who are you gonna put out there? You'll have yeah. to sign someone from the street. Yeah, exactly. And that might be what happens. Like I, the fact that they haven't done it yet is kind of odd to me, but it seems to me like if you're trying to take the team's perspective, they're going to give all the reps to Mayfield at left guard. They're going to see what he can do. They're going to try to clear the one runway for him and, and give him the opportunity and see what happens. And they're hoping that he can be a starter this year. Okay. They, but at some point, if he struggles, like if he allows sacks in the preseason, like people are going to be freaking out. Like I'm going to be freaking out. And the good news is there are still some guys out there in free agency. I know someone in the chat mentioned Eric Flowers as an option. That's certainly on the table. I'm I'm partial to Quentin Spain myself um, as a lower cost option. But if they're looking to pay somebody starting money, Eric Flowers certainly could be an option. And he's only 28, so that's an option. Um, you know, Quentin Spain would be cheaper. Uh, so that one as like a one year rental. So that, I think that makes that one makes more sense to me. But there are still options, but they could go quick. Like, you know, other teams could have injuries and then those guys are picked up and, and who the hell knows what's going on. So it's a risky game they're playing by not really doing much there. Um, and like, if there was somebody else that I thought that, like, I guess Justin Schaefer, like maybe they want to see what he can do, but I know you as a, as a UGA fan weren't exactly no, thrilled. No, it's not ready to start week one. Yeah, the, yeah oh. about that prospect either. So um, you know, we'll just see. That was a questionable pick when we walked, when we watched it live during the yeah. draft. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, we'll just have to see. I, I think that it's a very risky thing that they're doing at left guard. Um, I think it's okay to have a competition at center between two guys you just drafted. At least those guys you have, they had something they could hang their hat on. They're both excellent run blockers. So if you can just coach up the pass blocking, you could have a very good offensive lineman. I think between those two, it's okay. And then right tackle, at least, like they brought in Effetti and Wilkinson, who I think are both sort of passable tackles at worst. Um, Effetti has been average or better at several stops in his career. His, his problem was he's a penalty machine but he did improve that a lot last year thankfully so maybe that's behind him maybe he's matured a little bit uh but in the past that was sort of his thing he was actually a really good 
offensive lineman in terms of blocking, but he'd get like 10 penalties, 20, 12 penalties a year. That would, of course, frustrate the hell out of you. But uh, I guess l- last year he had far fewer than he usually does. So maybe he's finally gotten that under control. But And then Elijah Wilkinson, I think, is just a good swing tackle sort of guy um, that can play guard too. Um, so I think between those guys at right tackle, you're going to have either McGarry getting better or you'll have Effetti or Wilkinson stepping in. And that gives me some confidence. But left guard is is making – that's what's keeping me up at night. That's the one thing, the one spot on offense where I'm like this – Yeah. Could go very badly. So. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, you know, I've I've been driving the Hennessy hype train for the past few months. I think that he, you know, he may make me look very foolish, but you know, I'm on. I'm I'm in the Mad Hennessy hive. I think that you know he will improve that pass blocking after a full off season weightlifting regiment. Um, and you know, this is you have to remember. Yeah, Hennessy didn't really have a full offseason with the team after getting drafted because of COVID. So, you know, that was that was a bit of a disadvantage in of itself. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, hopefully we'll see him, you know, a lot stronger because that, that was that was his main issue. And I think he'll be a very passable center. He'll, he'll probably even I think he'll even be a solid center for the Falcons this season. Left guard is just. I, it's I very uncomfortable. That's it. I feel very uncomfortable about it. If uh, Jalen Mayfield becomes an average left guard this year, that's that's probably the biggest leap we've ever seen from anyone ever at that position. <laughs> Maybe for one off season. So, yeah, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Like he was that bad last year, yeah, and the fact guy. that they just had no, they brought in no competition. I'd feel a lot better if they brought in, you know a veteran left guard to split some training camp snaps with them and, you know, take over if need be. But, you know, this is my conspiracy theory that, you know, they're going to, they're going to save some money off, off Marcus Mariota's head because if Mayfield is garbage and, you know, Mariota suffers from it and takes a lot of hits, you know, I don't think that the front office will really be losing much sleep at night. Now the issue will be, if you put in Desmond Ritter and Mayfield is just, you know, a turnstile yeah. up there, then it's like, uh, all right. Right. You know, now you're messing with the rookie instead yeah, of yeah. quarterback. But I think by that point, if Mayfield really is that bad, they'll have signed a veteran free agent off the streets anyway. So that's just, yeah. that's the conspiracy theory that I'm pumping at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'm certainly hoping that it doesn't get to that point. I mean, I, I think that they're hoping that Mayfield will be good, but it's like it's fine to be like, okay, we don't really care because this is a, a like a down year anyway, whatever. Um, let's see what we have. Yeah, like, but let's, like let's see what we have with this young guy. If if the offensive line is going to prevent you from like evaluating the rest of this offense, like if it's going to keep you from evaluating Ritter or Mariota or the run game or the passing game, like if it's going to hold you back from seeing. Like, from you being able to run your offense to, to some sort of competent level, it's a problem. Like, maybe they're not competing for the playoffs, but we still need to evaluate these guys. We still need to get these guys, like, real reps and, like, run a functioning offense. So, that's where I would take take umbrage if that was uh, going to happen. But we'll hope for the best. We'll hope that Mayfield can rebound and, and prove, us, prove us haters wrong and that he has a miraculous turnaround this year. We're, we're certainly pulling for him. Um, but... Uh, it would be a, a surprise, certainly. Um, all right, oh, so let's. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. Do you want to move on to the 
to the right tackle position. Because... <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Caleb McGarry versus Jermaine Effetti. This is one where I I don't feel as bad about right tackle as I do left guard because of Effetti's presence. And, I mean, McGarry was, you know, much better than Mayfield last year. But Caleb McGarry has not lived up to that draft hype of being the 31st overall pick in uh, in 2019 and especially hasn't lived up to that trade-up that the Falcons made. It felt like a panic move from Dimitrov looking back on it because there was that large run of tackles. And, you know, if you recall, the Falcons didn't really – they were given that ultimatum by Arthur Blank that they had to address the offensive line, which, you know, that that's a problem in of itself that the owner's now meddling within the football side of things but Arthur Blank has gotten more and more comfortable with doing that the past few years but you know that that's a story for another team um Jermaine Effetti is was a penal has been a penalty machine throughout his career but I'd rather give up penalties than sacks and quarterback hits and Caleb McGarry was one of the most proficient players in doing that last year um look judging by uh tackles who played at least half of their team snaps last year that was 55 tackles who played at least 50 percent of their team snaps both left and right tackles uh Caleb McGarry finished 51st in PFF's pass blocking score he gave up the fourth most uh sacks in the NFL among all offensive linemen so the Falcons had two starters who played the vast majority of games who finished ranked first and fourth overall in sacks allowed and their center who didn't finish you know in that top five thankfully gave up the most quarterback hurries in the NFL so you can tell why you can tell why the Falcons had so many struggles on offense last year uh remember last year going into training camp you and I were were discussing Caleb McGarry yeah and you know I told you McGarry had had to be a positive player a positive impact player because we didn't think that Hennessy and Mayfield would really make that positive impact. And you can't go into a season with three negative offensive linemen, no matter how good your other two O-linemen are. And Matthews and Lindstrom were very good. Lindstrom was, you know, one of the best guards in football. Yeah. Um, but if you have three weak links along your offensive line, then you know, that offense can't flourish. It just can't. You know, football is one in the trenches. I don't care how modern you you get. If your O-line is just allowing pressure over and over again, you're not going to have success. And McGarry not only did not take that next step that we were looking at of him, uh, from him, but he actually took a step back. Um, his pass blocking was as bad as it was in his rookie year, uh, yeah. at least according to PFF's grade. And in his rookie year, he allowed the most sacks in the NFL. You know, sure he was a solid run blocker, but you know this goes back to that point about uh, pass blocking versus run blocking. McGarry spent twice as many snaps in pass protection as he did uh, as a run grader. Uh, yeah, so yeah. as a result, he was he was very much a net negative for his for the Falcons, and it's not a surprise at all why the Falcons rejected that fifth year option because he right. wasn't worth that fifth year option. Yeah. Um, you know, he he has had his flashes, but, you know, it's just been maddening just how inconsistent he's been. He hasn't been able to string those good games together. Jermaine Effetti comes in, and he's 
he's a very solid, you know, I would say average tackle in the NFL. Um, he started everywhere he's went. Uh, every single season of his career, he has been a, a bona fide starter. Uh, with with Seattle, he was also a 31st overall pick, just like McGarry. With yeah, yeah. Seattle, he was a disaster in his rookie year as a as a right guard. Uh, they shifted him over to right tackle, and he became, you know, a slightly better than average pass protector, even though his run blocking fell off a little bit. Uh, McGarry's a, a better run blocker than uh, Ifadio has been uh, thus far, or at least last season. But Ifadio's a much better pass protector, and I would much rather my right tackle be tackle be a better pass blocker than a run blocker um here's here's a stat that's that uh i found for my article on the right tackle battle which is probably going to get published in these in these next couple days but this is just just, this is just a small taste uh afedi in his career has had uh 3370 snaps 3370 career snaps as a pass blocker Caleb McGarry in his career thus far has had 1,954 snaps as a pass blocker. So just under 2,000. Uh, Fetty has, you know, had a, a, about 1,400 more snaps as a pass blocker than McGarry in their respective careers. Mm-hmm. Fetty has allowed less, fewer sacks than <laughs> Caleb McGarry. In those 1,400 more sacks or 1,400 more snaps, he's allowed 25 sacks. Caleb McGarry's allowed 26 snaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> allowed 18 quarterback hits. McGarry's allowed 32 career quarterback hits. Yeah. So McGarry has 14 more quarterback hits allowed and 1,400 fewer snaps. Like, if Eddie can be as much of a penalty machine as he wants, <laughs> but I'll, I'm taking that over what we've seen from McGarry 10 times out of 10. And it's not even like McGarry has a lot of youth on his side. He's just one year younger than Jermaine Effetti, even though it feels like Effetti's been around forever. Remember, McGarry was an older rookie. He was 24 as a rookie, whereas Effetti was 22 when he came into the league. Yeah. Uh, I think my hot take is that this will be a training camp battle and a preseason battle where Jermaine Effetti wins it. And I think that Effetti will be the starting right tackle because, you know, Caleb McGarry thus far in his career has had three seasons where he's lived off of that draft pedigree and where the team has not brought in, you know, any legitimate competition for him. Sure, we were looking, we were trying to talk up Matt Gono a little bit last year, but I don't think that the team ever had any intention of legitimately giving Matt Gono a, a, a shot at that starting right tackle spot. And then he got injured anyway, so it's all a moot point. This is the first time in his career where McGarry has had a legitimate competitor. And the reason why the team brought in that legitimate competitor who has started at every single stop of his career is because he's just been so disappointing these past three years. And yeah. you know, three years later, I think it's it's fair to say that Caleb McGarry has been a bust in the NFL thus far. Yeah, especially like I feel like I had Caleb McGarry as a third round grade I believe that year I feel like if he had gotten drafted in the third round and this is and had this career we would be like more complimentary of him because I feel like for a third round pick him being sort of a fringe level starter good run blocker mediocre pass protector it 
I think the perception of him would be different. But because they traded up for him and took him in the first round, he's not. He's a bust, like you said. Like it's so. It's it's just. You're right. It would be it would be more bearable if he was you know a third rounder. But I think even as a third rounder, yeah, he hasn't just been a mediocre pass protector. He's been a oh, down yeah, no. pass protector. Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. Like, He'd probably he, be a swing tackle if he was drafted yeah, in the third round. Yeah, he, so. he would not be starting. He wouldn't have been handed that starting job on a silver platter last season. Yeah. If he was a third rounder and you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be making that big of a deal about, about it. I think with Caleb McGarry, the last couple of years, I prefaced almost every single comment about Caleb McGarry with the comment. I hope that he proves me wrong because you know, it's always, it, it's always a criticism where I say, I don't think that McGarry really it is going to be that good, but I hope he proves me wrong. And up so. until this point, he has never proven me or you wrong. <laughs> no, about- we keep waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, I keep waiting for him to prove me wrong. And, you, you know, time is running out because that fifth year option wasn't exercised. If McGarry yeah. doesn't win this competition and if he doesn't really have a, a really good season, and, you, you know, I'm not just talking about an average season. Uh, that we saw in his second year, for example. I mean, he needs to have a, a legitimately good season, the be- a career year, the best year of his career thus far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for him to come back with the Falcons next season because, you know, sure, he was a first-rounder, but it wasn't this regime no, that, no. that drafted him. And the they're last- going to be paying Lindstrom, not not him. So Yeah, the last regime that drafted him got fired. Like, they're not here anymore. And, yeah. you know, part of that reason was because of picks like McGarry that ended up being busts. Yeah. 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 You're exactly right. And this is, it's do or die for McGarry. And maybe, maybe this situation didn't get his option. This is like the opposite of Vic Beasley, right? Like Vic Beasley, they pick up his option after two down years. And then of course he has another down year, but this scenario maybe would, if they'd done this, right, they don't give him the option. They're like, no, you got to earn this next contract. Maybe this lights a fire under his ass and, and you know, this helps motivate him or whatever he needs to get yeah. to where he needs to be. Maybe it's like a miracle and he has a big turnaround and he's great. And I'm totally open to that happening, but yeah, I hope so. I, that would be a best case scenario for the Falcons. And, you know, not only did he get his option rejected, but also they brought in legitimate competition. Oh yeah. Two, two Maybe guys. This yeah. does, you know, light a fire under him to really, you know, come back better than ever and to play better than ever, because he has never really had this kind of pressure up until this point, you yeah. know, up until now, if he plays bad, he plays bad. He's he's all we've really got at right tackle. Yep. And, you know, that you can't really sign a tackle off the streets because this is a very valuable position. You know, even even though you're not covering the blind side like a left tackle is, you know, good tackles aren't just found in free agency at this point. If someone's a good tackle, he's going to get scooped up by some team because even – Rebuilding teams, contending teams, even rebuilding teams value good tackles because, you know, then you have that young quarterback who isn't getting beaten to a pulp every single time he drops back. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you mentioned it with McGarry. It just, it hasn't been good enough. And this is, this is his time that he has to, he has to do it now. This is, this is when it has to happen. If he wants to get a lucrative extension in Atlanta or elsewhere, or else he's going to end up like a Jason Spriggs where he's playing swing tackle 
for somebody. And I, I don't think his career is going to be over if he has a mediocre year this year, but he's going to be a swing tackle then. Like, he's not going to be a starter anymore. He's going to be a backup. And I, I certainly think he's a, an NFL-caliber tackle. He can play in the league, but he's not a guy that anyone's running at to start at this point. Um, but you've got a guy like Jermaine Effetti, like Adnan mentioned, who was known for his penalties early on. I was going back through. Uh, I believe he led the league in penalties with 19 in 2017, which was his, like I think, first year as like a full-time starter, which is hilarious. That's a lot of penalties. Uh, still graded out like as like a pretty good pass blocker, even with 19 penalties, which is really funny. Um, and then he had 11 penalties in 2018, so still not good. 13 penalties in 2019, obviously still not good. But the last two years, just five penalties in 2020 and just four last year in 2021. So maybe that's finally something he's gotten under control. So, uh, you know, Fetty's a little bit hot-headed sometimes. Uh, very animated player. He's definitely the type of guy that if, like, someone cheap shots his quarterback, he's going to pancake them. Um, and, like, I think fans that's probably would like that about him. Yeah, like, you want to play within the boundaries. And, you, you know, I'm all for that. But, yeah, no, I, I'll definitely take some emotion, you know, even the bad with the good. Um with someone like Nefeti. And the other thing with Nefeti is he's he's been very durable uh, throughout his career. Last year, he landed on IR in October with a knee injury. But before that, I think he's only missed yeah, four games. Just a handful of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four games in his career and one game since his rookie season. Yeah. So you, this is, this is I think, Jermaine Nefeti is your prototypical, very solid tackle. Like yeah. he's he's your league average solid tackle, um, and I at this point that's that's a hell of an upgrade over what we've gotten from McGarry the past few years, um, and you know I I, I think that if Fetty wins that position, and you know plays plays well this season, he could be the guy that's given that that long term extension with Atlanta. Like he's also playing for something here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, a lot of people, I feel like Afedi's been around the NFL, like, forever. He's, like, exact, almost exactly the same age as Caleb McGarry, I think. Like, uh, yeah, McGarry. You're older than McGarry. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, what is this? McGarry is 27.4, according to PFF, and Afedi is 28.1. So they're not, yeah, so they're not yeah. even a year apart. Like, they're pretty much, I mean, you know, obviously McGarry's a little bit younger. But McGarry was an older rookie. Fetty was a super young rookie, so like they're kind of in the same place in terms of their career. So like maybe it's Fetty that we're talking about getting a lucrative extension with the Falcons and not McGarry at the end of the year. That is certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I do feel better about this right tackle group than I do certainly left guard. So. Yeah, and, and if Fetty can play well, I mean, I'll take I'll take a a league average or slightly above league average, you know, tackle any day, especially if you can get him for less than elite tackle money, because these tackle, I don't know if it's, if it's inflation or what, but these tackles are, they're making some money out there in free agency. Oh yeah. If a Fetty can play well and, you know, you can ink him to seven, $8 million a year. That, that would be, that would be a coup. Like that yeah, would be yeah. that would be a hell of a deal for getting your long term right tackle because you know twenty eight years old, Fetty can go out there and he can, you know, he can play for the next five, six, seven years 
you know, he can play well into his mid thirties, like like a lot of these uh, offensive linemen do. Yeah, especially because he has been so durable. So you know, that's that's one of the reasons why I think this is a legitimate competition. I don't think that this is like a few years ago uh, what we saw with uh, Wes Schweitzer and Ben Garland, <laughs> right? Center, right. Where yeah, that was like a competition. They were about you know near the same when it comes to, when it came to their talent and what what they had done in the NFL up to that point. But I think Schweitzer was like five years younger. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, all right, all right, like you know, you're definitely rooting for the young guy, and the coaching staff is probably gonna side with the younger guy. Fetty and McCary, the fact that they're almost the same age, yeah, that definitely means something. It means something that the front office that drafted McGarry isn't the front office making that decision and isn't the coaching staff that is making that decision. You know, both of these guys have have a number of years left in the NFL if they play well, and it's gonna be a legitimate spirited competition. I I think Afedi's going to win it because he is a superior pass protector. But just because McGarry has played in the NFL three years fewer, that means nothing here. Yeah, because they're the same age, (laughs) basically. If McGarry was four years younger than Afedi, we're having a different conversation here. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, Afedi is up there. He, it would not surprise me one bit if Jermaine Effetti was the right tackle of this team for the next few years, not one bit if he plays well. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that might shock some people. You, you predicting Effetti winning the right tackle spot, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I think this is going to be pretty much an open competition. We haven't heard as much about it compared to center, which has been pretty much made clear that that's an open competition, but I think right tackle will be the same way. And I won't be shocked. Uh, if, if it is a Effetti that comes out on top there, um, both this year and potentially in the future, because I mean, it's possible that they could be in the running for a, a high tackle, like in the, in the draft next year, but it depends on where they end up. Cause if they're picking really high, it's probably going to be Will Anderson. Um, if they're further down, you know, who knows what will happen. But um, I think having someone like an Effetti that you could turn to resign for like a reasonable starting contract as like a bridge guy for a couple more years while you look maybe for another young tackle. I think that that sounds like a great plan, or maybe you draft a day two tackle to develop behind a Fetty. Um, so I, I feel a lot better, certainly about ta- about right tackle than I do about left guard uh, and, and center. I mean, I feel about the same, I guess, as the center. I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be doing all right there. Um, all right. Well, before we get, to anything else to any other battles you want to talk about uh do want to remind folks to please like and subscribe we appreciate all those metrics leave a comment after the show click that little bell button to get notifications when we go live uh we really appreciate everyone tuning in with us for the last show of the dead season uh if you're yes yes the final show season the final show of the dead season folks uh if you're interested in helping support our training camp travel expenses you can donate at the link in the show description. I believe it's streamlabs.com slash the Uh, we appreciate all that help. Make sure you leave a question or a comment with your donation. We will read that whether you, uh, drop it during the show or if you drop it, uh, after the show airs, we'll read it on the next live show, uh, to make sure we get those in really appreciate everyone for chipping in thus far. Uh, and you do have the opportunity to do that all the way through camp. So if you're, you know, if you, don't want to do it tonight thinking about doing it later uh, if you if you want to save your questions for during camp for more pressing topics i understand 
uh, that all works out just fine. So thank you guys so much for that. And also, I'll plug the Patreon uh, if you're interested in getting involved with that. Our fantasy leagues are filling up now. So if you're interested in taking part in the patron fantasy leagues, uh, the link to sign up there is patreon.com slash Live. Uh, those are a lot of fun. I made a commitment this year to be yes. a part of the fantasy league. Adnan it's will be in one of them at least. So yeah. Wait, there's more than one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll be. They'll probably have to be two this year because we have like 30 patrons now. So, um, but um, uh, you don't have to be in more than one. But you know, just just being in one is helpful. I don't think Dave's gonna play in all of them either. So you know. Yeah, I, I don't. I'll, I'll think about it. just because <laughs> outside of this, I only have one league. I have okay. my home league. Oh that, yeah, yeah. I have my home league that I've been in forever. Yeah. So, you know, I three fantasy leagues won't stretch won't stretch <laughs> won't stretch it too far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll we'll awesome. see how many we need. You know, we'll see. I was in like six or so. I don't just a tangent, I don't understand how some people can be in like ten different fantasy no. leagues. That just does like I get it. Everyone has their own home league that they like focus on. I, I don't see how that's enjoyable to just keep up with that many fantasy leagues. Like, uh, drafting is fun, but then after that, just like, <laughs> you know, you, you're starting, you know, you're starting Cooper Cup and you're going up against Cooper Cup in another league. And it's yeah. like, you know, I'm very conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem that fun. Like, it just seems yeah. like, like a chore at that point. Yeah. You can play some best ball where you don't set your lineup every week. That those help if I'm playing in a bunch of leagues. You could do some best ball leagues where you don't have to set your lineup, and those are, those yeah. are those aren't so bad. But well, yeah. well, like people can do whatever they want. Like you know, people enjoy what they enjoy. I'm I'm just a firm believer that you know two or three fantasy leagues. Yeah. three is my max. I do I, think I, that's the sweet spot. Two to three. But. I couldn't do more than like one home league that you really focus on, and you know, with your friends and your trash talking and everything. And then one like other league that you can keep up with, but you know, and then a third one would be fine. But like five, six, seven leagues, then yeah. then right. like it get yeah. yeah. I I did five one year. I thought that was a little too much, but I think like that, that two to three is probably the sweet spot. Because one, like if you only do one, there's the chance that you just bomb, and then you're just like, well, this sucks for the whole season. So I like to have a couple of backups because if you played three leagues, at least you're probably doing good in at least one of them. But yeah, last year I was only in the one, and I mean, you know, I, I made the playoffs, so it was it was enjoyable. That works, yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, like you say, if you, you know, sometimes sometimes that's not filling enough. If, if it's yeah, all- yeah, sometimes it can be rough. You know, you only you know you only experience one draft. You're you're only looking at one lineup. You know, all season long. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there is the we're we're getting to the the sweet spot here, two to three leagues. So, um, all right. Any other position groups you want to talk about tonight? Uh, we haven't touched on the defense at all. Yeah, I well, guess. we we really went all in on the off. Well, the off. I mean, honestly, that's what needed it the most. Like that was the most important one by far. So, I mean, it needed. You, I mean, we had a whole show basically on the offensive line. It, it's, uh, nobody can say that we didn't have a comprehensive analysis about Atlanta's <laughs> offensive line. Like yeah. we, what we tore we tore apart the offensive line, and I oh, mean. Yeah. We didn't talk about left tackle and right guard because we don't need to. Nothing to we say know. there. It's all good. Yep, all good yeah, there. Great job, guys. Yeah. Keep it up, Jake and uh, and Chris. You know, Just hopefully. Give a pat guys, on the back. Yep. <laughs> hopefully, you guys have more help this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess edge is basically wide open. Um, 
but there's, you know, I think we could see another veteran addition there. We'll see. Uh, the interior defensive line, now that Goldman has retired, is is suddenly more interesting again because I do think there's like a non-zero chance that Marlon Davidson, especially once Eddie Goldman got signed, it was like, oh, is Marlon Davidson on the chopping block? Now that Goldman is not here, I think Marlon Davidson's probably pretty safe again, but it's worth talking about maybe. Um, I don't know if there's any other spots that you wanted to touch on on defense at all. Maybe safety. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's going to be a decent a little competition. Uh, we probably know the cornerback. Yeah, yeah. The rotation at this point. I'm pretty confident in Isaiah Oliver winning that nickel job. You have yeah. Terrell, you have Hayward. Um, I think the cornerbacks are going to be very, very good. You know, I just saw it. I think this will be maybe even a top 10 cornerback unit in the NFL and all of a sudden none. Remember, Isaiah Oliver was one of the best nickel corners in the NFL last year before his injury. Um, Hayward is one of, if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be one of the best cornerback twos. And, you know, I think Terrell is top is already a top five cornerback in the league. Uh, I think last year only Jalen Ramsey was better than him, according to PFF. And, you know, he should only get better. Um, safety, you, know, you de- I definitely like to see Richie Grant win that safety battle. Uh, I'm excited to see the development, the continued development of Jalen Hawkins, who looks like he was a steal on, on day three. He he looked really good last year. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely not as much to touch on as as offensive line, but you know th- those are some of those are some of the positions, and I I really want to see see these young guys really get a chance uh, along the edge. I think it's different when it comes to rookies. Uh, and especially in a position where, you know, you you have some scarcity, a pass rusher. The Falcons last year were by far the worst pass rush in the NFL. I think it's different uh, starting rookies, you know, along along edge on defense than it is, uh, say, starting a, a quarterback, a, a rookie, a quarterback, just because those those positions are completely different monsters. Like it's it's much more difficult for a starting quarterback in the NFL because you know everything, the entire franchise is on your shoulders. You're the CEO. Whereas if you're you know rotating at uh, outside linebacker or a defensive end, that's that's a lot more manageable. Uh, and you know the Falcons have some definite young talent. You know along the edge, Lorenzo Carter is here this year. Uh, Ogundeji showed some flashes last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Abikadi, who you got in the second round, and um, D'Angelo Malone, whom uh, who scouts were raving about Malone and Abikadi. So you know, I'm excited to see what the pass rush does this year for sure. Let's see if yeah. they can give uh, Grady Jarrett some help along that. Yeah, group. yeah, I, I definitely like that edge group better, especially from a long term perspective than last year, where there was like. Just nothing. Uh, like, I mean, it was like Dante Fowler and Steven Means as your starters. I mean, it was just really, really rough. But I think your group now of, like, Lorenzo Cardell and Epicady and D'Angelo Malone and Ogundigi, like, uh, Ogundigi, I, I think those guys I like a lot better. Like, I think I think we're going to see some positive stuff from that group, even if it's not going to be a great pass rush this year. It should be, like, 20th. 22nd you know instead of like 32nd uh and and that will make a big difference certainly especially if the coverage is as good as we're sort of expecting it to be like that could be enough for this to be 
a, an average pass defense. If, if even if the pressure's not great, if the coverage is great and the pressure's sort of a little bit below average, but not terrible, like that, that can be a, a decent passing defense still. So um, the interior, there's certainly a lot of question marks there. Uh, you know, well, obviously we have Grady Jarrett and we have Anthony Rush and we have taken friend of the Graham, show, but yeah. yes, friend of the show, Anthony Rush, a man of culture, clearly, um, who's basically got an unquestioned path to the nose tackle once again, which I think is fine. Like I, I wasn't really concerned about Rush at all that nose tackle. Um, you know, I think Eddie Goldman's signing was was almost as much about the pass rush as the run defense, even though he's a nose tackle. He is one of those pass rushing nose tackles. So, um, you know, I think maybe in some ways it's more likely the Falcons might actually sign another pass rusher or sort of go for keeping another pass rushing type as opposed to getting another nose tackle in here. But we'll see. Um, I think I think for what's, what it's worth, the defense is going to be improved from last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Uh, I think the secondary has a lot more potential. Like this defense will, they'll be led by these corners. They'll be led by the secondary. Like make no mistake about it. Um, but you know you have some young talent, some legitimate young talent along along uh, that defensive and outside linebacker rotation. Like this isn't talent where you know you sign some undrafted free agent guy and he's a young guy and you're like oh we have young talent. Like that that's not legitimate young talent. No, no offense to, to these undrafted guys, but you have guys who were, you know, legitimately good college players who you invested legitimate draft picks in. Abikati was a second rounder. You know, D'Angelo Malone was a third rounder. Uh, and, you know, even even some of these linebackers, like I'm I'm eager to see what Deion Jones can do. Uh, last year was a disappointing year, but, you know, he ended up having surgery in the offseason. So maybe he was hampered hampered by that I think it was a shoulder injury last season um you know uh, let's see if he can he can kind of lead this defense and you know set an example uh you know I'm definitely still against what I saw from him last year and sort of giving up on plays I think that's unacceptable no matter what um Michael Walker has you know shown nothing but good flashes whenever he's hit, hit the field except he just hasn't he hasn't really gotten as many snaps as as we would have liked, but there are a lot of vacated snaps from Foyo Lewikin, uh leaving for Jacksonville. You know, Rashawn Evans is is a solid guy that Dean Pease obviously believes in. I don't think Troy Anderson will really make a, a huge impact outside of special teams, not in year one. But you know, Nick Kwiatkowski is another underrated signing who is a very, very solid linebacker. I think he'll start next to Jones. Um, we we could have something with this defense, you know, especially if some of those young pass rushers play above their heads and play above expectations. I I think this team is really only missing a pass rush at this point, like a legitimate pass rush. Yeah. You know, everything else you, you can you can you know you can believe in the young guys and that includes the pass rush as well. Like at least now, if uh, you know, if the pass rush is bad, you can say, all right, at least, at least those are young guys. Those are rookies, you know, learning the position. Whereas before it's like the pass rushes, pass rush is shit with Vic Beasley and Tag McKinley. And it's like, all right, these guys just suck. Like we have no future here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, we'll see what happens with Deion Jones. I know Aaron Freeman uh, 
believes that he will be cut if he they can't find a trade partner. So that I don't know. Be, yeah, that would be one of the more high-profile cuts yeah. in the NFL. I, I, I think it's a non-zero chance, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be uh, – I'm not that spicy about it. I, I wouldn't yeah. think that spicy at this point. No, I mean, he's, he's saying that he has it on good authority that – Oh. Jones will be cut. Oh, he, he has legitimate inside information. Yes, without saying, you know, too much about it. Uh, I believe he was saying sort of that he's been told by some sort of source that the Falcons oh, want to trade Jones, but if they can't, that Deion Jones will be cut. I Possibly before training camp even starts. I, I believe yeah. they want to trade him. Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think they've been looking to trade him. Uh, yeah, I have no sources. I have no authority no, here. No, I but, haven't heard anything else either. Yeah, but. Yeah. Like, no, we did not hear anything from the team. This is our speculation. No. Yep. But, you, you know, I, to cut him, if they cut him, that, that'll that just tell me that they just, that they're worried about his influence on, on yeah, these other players. Exactly. Like, they basically just want, they want to get the young guys snaps, I think is what it would be. Like, they don't want Dion taking away snaps from the other guys and, um, they'll just eat, they'll eat half the dead cap this year and half next year instead of eating some next year. So, um, you know, it, they certainly can do it. It's, it saves them a little bit of money. They clearly don't necessarily need him. Um, and if he, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think it, it's not exactly financially advantageous to, to cut him this, this year, but I mean, if, if he's not in their plans at all, um, yeah you know, it would make sense. Um, and I think if they were to trade him, they'd probably have to take on pretty decent amount of the contract. We'll see. But I mean, maybe being able to trade him for anything would be worth it. So we'll see. Um, cause if they cut him, they, I mean, they're barely saving anything. So even if they have to pay most of his contract and they save just a little bit more and get like six round pick out of it, you know, maybe that's worth it for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've covered most of the big ones here. Obviously, we'll be watching the safety battle really closely between, you know, Jalen Hawkins, Richie Grant, Eric Harrison, Dean Marlowe. I think all four of those guys could start, <laughs> like could could potentially say that they, they have the talent to start. Harris and Marlowe certainly have started very recently. You know, Harris here in Atlanta last year and uh, Marlowe for Detroit, I think he started nine games last year. So there, that's a good, I think, quartet of safeties. I don't think any of them at least until we see what we've got in Grant and Hawkins this year are like high end safeties. But I think those are four like sort of solid starter caliber safeties. And that's just a good solid group there. Um, So we'll see what comes of that. If any of those guys can really step up. But I think that secondary with those great corners in front of them, just having solid safeties is like enough. If you've got great cornerback play and solid safeties, you can have a really good secondary. So um, yeah, I don't know if there's, Anything else you wanted to touch on out now before we wrap up the final off-season show of the season? Um, no, I think I think we hit a lot of it. You know, I think we hit everything that we needed to at this point. Yes, you guys should be exhaustively prepared, particularly for the offensive line battles, which are the most important ones. Um, but also, we touched on some of the defensive ones too. So we hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, that you're all ready, all ready for training camp to start. On Wednesday will be the first practice, I believe, and then the first public practice will be on Friday of next week. So looking forward to that. I will. Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, do you know, uh, this is just a question for you, person. Do you know if those Sundays are going to be private practices or if they'll be, or, or if they're just off days? I would have to look that up. I, I think I, I might know, but I'll, I'll tell you uh, off air. Uh, I, I probably have to pull up an email or something to find it. Um, no, if they're, um, if they're 
private practices. I'm definitely interested in, in getting a media pass for those. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those. yeah. I'll look it up once we wrap uh, if those are actual yeah. practice days or not. I don't see why they would make the. I mean, I uh, <laughs> just in general, I don't like Sundays being non-private or. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like Sundays not being public practices just because it's a good day for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the fan, like training camp. Yeah. It's for the players, but I think it's for the fans as much as anything else. It's, it's a chance for, you know, a lot of the fans to go out to flowery branch and watch, watch their favorite team, you know, go through practice and, you know, just taking away Sundays from a lot of these fans who work, you know, throughout the weekdays that, you know, that just, that that just seems a bit distasteful in my opinion like if it yeah. is off day then it's like why can't tuesday be an off day right. or something? yeah why, why pick sunday specifically i don't mm-hmm. know i don't know what's going on with that but yeah i'll look it up out once we finish up uh what the actual days are so i can let you know but um yeah guys i will be there starting wednesday uh i'll be there wednesday the 27th through i believe it's wednesday the third so the whole first week uh, we'll be having daily shows or close to daily shows uh, to give you guys the latest news and notes. And, of course, I'll have my clips and tweets and all that stuff going up on the Twitter account and on thefalcoholic.com. Uh, so look out for that stuff. Really excited to bring you guys some in-person coverage. Uh, it's been a while since I've been uh, – it's been since February, I think, that I've seen football in person. So excited to get back out there. Hopefully the weather won't be too brutal, but – it's been pretty hot here in Syracuse, so I can only imagine what it's going to be like in uh, in Atlanta next week. But, guys, we really appreciate everyone hanging out with us tonight. Uh, like I said before, like and subscribe. Click that little bell button. Leave a comment after the show to help us grow. Uh, if you're interested in supporting our training camp expenses, you can donate to that at any time. The link to that's in the show description. Uh, if you're interested in the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash live. And we just really appreciate everyone tuning in and supporting us. Uh, it really means a lot to us, guys. Before we sign off, want to thank my co-host tonight, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way, for his very in-depth contributions, particularly to the offensive line. You were just rattling off the stats, like one after the other. It was very impressive work there, Adnan. Um, anything else that you'd like to plug before we sign off tonight? Uh, speaking of the offensive line, I like I mentioned earlier, the uh, center battle, uh, well, where, you know, I rattled off some of those stats about Dolman and Hennessy. That article uh, went live today that got published today. And the one uh, discussing the right tackle battle will go in the next couple of days. So, you know, definitely check that out. And we're about to ramp up just like how the Falcons are about to start ramping up. We're about to start ramping up here at the Falcoholic. Um, you know, the dead period is only the dead period until training camp. Now that we have actual stories coming up, we'll have a lot more stuff to write about, you know, uh, instead of just, you know, speculating uh, on on the season blindly, we'll actually have some some things of substance to, to discuss and to analyze. So, you know, it's it's always an exciting time for uh, for the uh, for the website now. Yep, it is. It's a it's a great time. Uh, it's a fun time. Looking forward to bringing you guys that content and. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good one this year. It's gonna be a very exciting training camp, I think, uh, to dig into. And It'll I'm be excited. the most exciting preseason in, in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Some, we have he's gonna quarter. play the starters. He's he's already said it. I'm gonna hold him to that now. So you guys also have our play-by-play to look forward to. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit more entertaining in the second half now than it has been uh, at times in the past. So. 
Guys, we are almost there. Just one more week of quiet before the floodgates open. Uh, again, guys, thank you so much for your support, for your viewing. We will see you guys next week. Uh, may have an early week episode if any news comes out. Otherwise, we'll have uh, a show for you on Wednesday. And then for the next uh, seven days that I'm there, we'll be doing daily updates as well. So until then, guys, uh, we'll talk to you next week here on the Falcoholic Live. Check out the site, thefalcoholic.com, for all that great written content. You can follow me at Falcoholic Kevin as well to get all that training camp intel. Until then, guys, thank you so much for watching. We will see you next week on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks.